You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to Skylight. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Hallie. Today, we're welcoming Sana Saif to discuss her brother's book, You Have Not Yet Been Defeated, with Sharif Abdel Kadus. Before I introduce them, I just want to remind you that Skylight Books offers curbside pickup and online ordering on our website, uh, www.skylightbooks.com. Sana Saif is an Egyptian filmmaker, producer, and political activist. Imprisoned three times under the CC regime, she is currently touring the US promoting her imprisoned brother, Allah Abdel Fattah's new published book, You Have Not Yet Been Defeated. She's joined today by Sharif Abdel Kadus. Sharif is an independent journalist based in Cairo. He has reported from across the Arab world for a number of print and broadcast outlets, including Democracy Now!, and is currently an editor and reporter at Madame Masur, Egypt's leading independent media outlet. Welcome, Sana and Sharif. I'm so happy to have you here today. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Um, I think we're going to get started with uh, readings from the book from both of you. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I chose a, a piece. It was written in November 2020. Um, it's a handwritten note that got, uh, it's like a letter from Ale. So, hi, I've not seen your, your letter yet, so I can't respond, and I don't know which one of you is here, but I think it's Mama. I'm a bit worried at the thought of you waiting out there in this rain. It looks like the whole place has drowned as usual, but honestly, when it was raining, it was joyful, and the smell of the wet dust was good, and the sound of people raising prayers was inspiring. You miss being part of nature and the climate, but this rain is making itself felt through the walls. I hope you're all well. My health is good. That's all I can say. The day of my birthday was a bit dramatic and I couldn't celebrate, but the banana cake made up for things a bit. I tried to energize my head in the absence of books by remembering stories from history, sometimes by shattering on, on about signs. My imagination can't really engage with post-release dreams, but you know, one tries to find reason for optimism in the ebbing of the right-wing wave in the world and to believe its effect will reach us. Of course, I'm used to Gramsci's method regarding the pessimism of the mind and the optimism of the will, but there is such negation of the will here that I need to train myself into an optimism of the mind before I mess up my colleagues. That's all, I'm generally fine, and I love you and miss you. That's it. Okay, and this is, um... this is his last essay that Alet wrote uh, before his re-arrest in September of 2019. It was written in what Alec called his kiosk of solitude, which was a wooden structure inside the police station where he was forced to spend every night from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. after completing a five-year prison sentence. He was arrested shortly um, after he wrote this, and it's about the body. It's called Regeneration there can be no return to paradise lost, for we were not born innocent. There can be no resurrection, for we are not holy. 
and our sacrifices were not consciously made. No surgery can cure us and no medicine for the decision to amputate is not ours and no clinical research was conducted to explain away our ailments. There will be no re rebuilding as the land itself can no longer withstand any more clearing. Let us postpone the wandering of our souls till after death for each one of us is haunted by comrades who departed and it would not do to leave them desolate before their time. If we are to be treated like animals with no agency, so be it. But we shall bypass cattle and livestock, ignore pets and domesticates. We shall look to the lizards, starfish and earthworms. Those beings that can regenerate after injury, no matter how grave. We shall accept that regenerated organs may not be identical to what was lost. They could appear to be mutilated, but look closer and you will see the beauty in monstrosity. For only the monstrous can hold both the history of dreams and hopes and the reality of defeat and pain together. The monstrous need not forget their old injuries in order to lose their fear of acquiring new ones. So that again was written by Alet um, in September of 2019. Um, Alet, uh, soon after that was written, was uh, essentially kidnapped from the police station where he was forced to spend every night and uh, put into pretrial detention for over two years before being put on trial uh, just a few months ago in November of uh, 2021 and eventually sentenced to another five years on trumped up charges. Um, Sana at this time, for much of this time, was you were in prison yourself. Uh, you were trying to get uh, help your family to get a letter into Ale. Can you talk about uh, the circumstances of your arrest? What happened and uh, when did you get out? Okay. Um, well, it was during COVID, uh, uh, early on before like the vaccines uh, <clears throat> and everything. So we were... Uh, we were really worried uh, about the well-being of the of the people in prison, um, and the visitations were banned because of COVID. And so the only way to to know that they are to know if Ale is okay was the letters. Uh, and they decided to also ban the letters. Uh, my mother started. Uh, we first filed complaints, and then. Uh, nobody uh, responded so my mother decided to sit in at the prison gate um, and not leave without a letter from Ale and um, me and my sister we joined her uh, we spent uh, a night in front of uh, in front of the prison gate and uh, uh, the next day uh, early mo morning we found uh, female thugs uh, who came and attacked us and uh, stole our stuff and uh, beat us up in front of like the the police and the security who are guarding the prison facility it's um uh, the place is very kind of uh, guarded and there are many police officers around and uh, <clears throat> it's it's not uh, it's 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 very unlikely for a, for a thug to come in without uh, without having coordinated that with the with the police and uh, while i was be get being beaten up. I um, I started yelling and uh, cursing uh, the officer who was in charge 
of uh, of the like the the security of the facility of the of the doors um and uh, then the thugs left and we left and the next day we went to the public uh, prosecutor's office to to complain about what happened and um, and uh, um, i was there because uh, the lawyers wanted me to uh, to be present so that if the prosecutor decides to open an investigation they could see uh, like the, the wounds and stuff and uh, at the at the gate of the public prosecutor's office, I found a, a van. Um, uh, a, a police officer dressed, uh, dressed in plain clothes uh, told me to uh, to come up to the van, and uh, <clears throat> I found myself being charged of uh, fake news, uh, insulting public official while uh, on duty, and um, some other charges. Uh, I think uh, there were also like in the beginning there were also terrorism charges, but uh, the, the terrorism charges didn't go to court, and that's how it started. And so you spent, you were eventually sentenced to eighteen months in prison, and you yeah, a year and a half. A year and a half. Um, can you talk about for people to understand what it's like uh, for you in prison? This was the third time. You're twenty eight years old, and this was the third time that you were imprisoned um, over the last uh, 10 years. What's it like in prison in Egypt? Oh, uh, it, it differ, it, it's different, it differs from who you are and the way you are, but, uh, but, but generally it's, um, you know, for example, I had, at some point, at first, I, I didn't have books, but then, but then I got, I had, I gained access to books. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's complete, kind of complete isolation. And for political prisoners, usually what happens is that we're not allowed to be uh, in the same rooms, so you won't have like a cellmate or someone who's like-minded. This is uh, <clears throat> quite uh, rare. Um, I wasn't uh, like solitary. I was uh, I was with other uh, normal criminal charges uh, inmates. Um, <clears throat> the room I was in was kind of like a temporary uh, um, place for for the other uh, inmates, and so uh, people kept changing. Every fifteen days, people would change, um, and. Um, and there was there was like uh, always uh, uh, for the normal like uh, for the criminal inmates uh, uh, there is this stress about uh, uh, communicating with political prisoners because uh, because then the guards were could could they could be in trouble uh, and so my relationships with people had to always be very superficial. Um, because I could, anybody who would talk to me could get in trouble, could either go to like the shoe or to solitary confinement, or um, I don't know, they could be beaten or you know, something could happen. They could, because, because I was a high profile, so the punishment wouldn't be directly to me. So the idea was to isolate me from other people. Um, so yeah, it's isolation and, um, 
mainly deprivation of all of like the human stuff or the stuff that the outside world. But, but to a certain degrees, it really depends about who you are, whether you're a girl or a, yeah. usually females get a little better yeah, and better treatment, but uh, in comparison to males, in comparison to basic human rights, everybody uh, is being treated very badly. Right. So you were eventually released um, after completing a year and a half in prison in December. And then you had the opportunity to visit Ale in prison, uh, who at this time had been sentenced uh, again to five years in prison um, in a court whose rulings cannot be appealed. Can you talk about, this was the first time you had seen him in something like two years. Um, and I should remind people that uh, prison visitations in Egypt now for Ale occur once a month for 20 minutes behind a glass barrier. Uh, so what was it like to see him uh, after so long? What did you talk about? And how did he seem to you? Oh, yeah, I remember this is, we, we hadn't met for a year and nine months because, because also this is, before, my, before I was arrested, the stations were, uh, were stopped because of COVID. So it's been very long. Uh, and we were both excited uh there was no time for 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 draw i heard that he was in a bad state i i heard that uh, in my visits but uh, but we were just excited to see each other finally and uh so it was uh, it was it, it didn't seem like 20 minutes it seemed like from another world we were both excited we were talking very fast we were trying to catch up on many things and <clears throat> it was like you know when you put a video on YouTube, like uh, uh, on fast forward, by uh, times two, for example, that was the whole twenty minutes. Um, because we were so happy to see each other, it it didn't uh, hit me like the fact that I didn't hug him or the fact that we only had twenty minutes. All of this didn't hit me until after I I went I left the visit after the visit ended. Uh, but uh, we were we were happy to see each other. So, can you explain to people what Alex's prison conditions are and how this has affected him? <clears throat> Ale, um for the past three years, have uh, been deprived of uh, of everything. Actually, I mean the the only thing he was allowed uh, after two two years was a kettle. Like to make talk hot beverages, uh, and this has like a long story to it. So he was deprived of he doesn't see sunlight, uh, no fresh air, uh, no books, no pen and paper, uh, no radio, uh, and uh, and the visits are behind the like in a glass cabinet, so he doesn't touch people. Um, so. And for Ale, the, the, the thing I think that's breaking him the most actually is the, is the deprivation from books <clears throat> because of how he is. And but books in prison help you, even if you're not, I don't read much out, outside, but, uh, but, the, but books 
kind of take me to, you take me to another world i can i can live and and play with my imagination and live the experience i you know, or whatever in the novel i'm reading or uh, and and so it's it's kind of it's something you rely on to kind of cope with with prison and for Ale in particular because he's such a like a nerd who reads all the time he his brain needs input and the idea that his brain is not getting input is really getting to him what do you mean it's getting to him what's um, how's he how's he coping well at some point he um in, in, in I think in October uh, last October last year he in a, during a court hearing he expressed like suicidal thoughts and that's uh, and that was a shock for us because Ale has endured so much and he's never we never went to that and we never thought that dark place is even possible uh, I, I think the, the main thing that's kind of breaking him is the deprivation of from from books actually. Uh, now he's in 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 a in a, a better relatively better state because well after my release he he became like a he <clears throat> became a little bit ha happier and uh, and he found it in him to be and the other reason why he's in a in a in a in a better state. Uh, relatively, of course, uh, his conditions haven't hasn't changed the slightest. But uh, <clears throat> he found it in him to be resilient. He decided to go on hunger strike. Mm -hmm. Today is the uh, marks the eleventh day of his hunger strike, and I think because he decided that uh, he <clears throat> he gathered his uh, energy and decided to be resilient. This this. Uh, this has like positive psychological impact on him. So he started the hunger strike April 2nd um, and he's gone on hunger strikes previously in previous imprisonments. Um, do you feel this one's different? Yeah, I think this one's different because uh, he's put demands. Uh, his demands are, uh, are that uh, um, for the he put two demands that, uh, uh, as an Egyptian citizen, he demands that uh, that uh, uh, a judge opens investigation and all the complaints we've been filing for the past three years for all the violations that uh, <clears throat> uh, that were subjected to him. Uh, and as a British citizen, uh, he, he, he asked for uh, for consular visit for the Brits to be to to get access already the british uh, uh, embassy has asked for a consular visit but the egyptian forces haven't granted them uh, the visit so he's asking for a consular visit and uh, and access to his british lawyers so that he they could advise him on what legal action to take um but uh, when he when he expressed when he talked to me about uh, that he was thinking of uh, of starting a strike he said uh, the way he said it is that he said, at first I thought I shouldn't put demands on it because I know it's absurd and I know um, the the stubbornness with uh, with with, uh, with Ale and the and the insistence of uh, of keeping him in prison 
uh, seems kind of like endless. So I think this is the way he said it is that I think this is like a, um, a do or die fight or something, you know, like, uh, but, I, and then he said, but I decided to, to just put demands just for the sake of it. So I think this time is different. I think this time he's not on strike because he's waiting for for some little improvement and then he will uh, stop the strike. Uh, not only because Ale is fed up, but also because his conditions this time, this imprisonment are so, so bad. And the treatment is so bad that it's really kind of absurd to be asking for uh, for little demands out of it. You know? You've been on hunger strike before when you were in prison, right? Yeah. Can you, what does it feel like to embark on something like that in prison? Um, what do you think he's going through? Mm, uh, so you mean like the physical experience or the... I guess both, like the, the physical experience, but also I suppose one thing about it is it's one of the few things you have agency over as someone who is incarcerated in prison. So yeah, maybe both of those things. It's kind of the only thing I I I remember thinking what what tools do I have like what, what where is my agency? So I I it really sums up to your body. So I remember when I was inside, I figured that <clears throat> it's either refusing to go somewhere like for example when I was uh, in recess when we're outside I have like an hour to walk so either refusing to enter the cell I think uh, that is one tool and the other is strike I don't I don't think there are any other methods out there to uh, tools yeah it has to be you have to be do using your body this is the only tool you've got uh, and for Ale it's only strike I think um, so physically it's uh, uh, in, in the first two weeks it's very painful and because you feel the hunger you, you're hungry and uh, your stomach aches and stuff but then uh, some, something changes you enter like an, an, another phase where you, you kind of now your body knows that you're you're no longer gonna provide food for it, and so it starts uh, starts working on the on the on, on the calories. Um, the way I did the strike, I think Ale is doing the same now. Is that I used to take uh, salt and water. Uh, salt would um, would maintain my blood pressure, and so my body just had to figure out. A way to find glucose, which is uh, which is through the calories. So, and then the later phases depend on on the person's body. So, if if you're a little bit overweight, this might give you time. Uh, but the, at first, the body starts uh, <clears throat> to uh, uh, loses like the extra calories, and then um, it goes to starts breaking and then the other the third phase is that starts breaking the muscles so that it could get 
uh, energy out of them. And this is a very, very painful phase. And mm -hmm. afterwards, uh, it, it, it's kind of like your body is self-destructing itself, but kind of trying to do it uh, wisely. So, so, how, I, so how does it I stopped feel? after breaking the muscles the side, mm -hmm. after the breaking the muscle side because afterwards it was uh, it was really painful. Mm -hmm. So how does it feel for you as Alat's sister, knowing that he's begun this and you're saying this time it feels different and he might not stop it uh, for any improve any small improvement in conditions. So that means it could go on for a while. I have a conflict of feelings. I'm honestly happy that that he's resilient after being in the suicidal phase and I, I, I felt bad I, I feel bad for, for what he's going through, but also I felt bad. It, it, it was really horrible to see him uh, like psychologically broken. Now I see resilience. And so that's a good thing. But also I know the kind of pain he will endure and he is enduring. And so there's a conflict here. I just, I keep hoping that uh, he's strong bodied. So I say maybe, Maybe, maybe if we manage to put pressure uh, fast enough, then he wouldn't have to go through the like painful part. Um, and so I, I just feel urgency to 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 campaign and to move um, to to try and save him before going to this uh, to to the, the the really destructive phase. So what are you hoping for by speaking out, campaigning for him? How do you expect him to get out? He was just sentenced to five years and this ruling cannot be appealed. What kind of pressure do you think is most effective? How do you think is the way he would get out? I think the way he would get out is through uh, pressure from the British uh, authorities. Um, but but this but uh, because Ale's situation I, for some reason is so complicated, uh, we we don't know why. We just know that it's, it's so complicated. Uh, I know that the, the amount of pressure has to be high. It has to come from from high up, like politically. And so by campaigning here in the states, by doing <clears throat> touring with his book and uh, and campaigning, I hope. That uh, that the matter would get the uh, that his uh, case would get the intended attention. And do you have hope that he's that he's going to be released? Yes. Now that uh, now that now that we've gone public, now that uh, we have this British citizenship, I I have unfortunately <clears throat> before the British citizenship, I didn't have any hope. Uh, but now that uh, there is this uh, aspect, uh, I, I do have hope for his release. All right. It just needs um, a lot of work. And, uh, it's, uh, and it also needs a lot of support, which I'm hoping to, to get. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people might not understand that you have more... You have more of a chance of getting out of prison or you have kind of more rights 
when you have foreign citizenship in Egypt? It's it, it, it's quite straightforward. There is another government that is uh, not as uh, crazy and oppressive, who's re responsible for you now. Um, I'd also love to ask how just a little bit about how you hope the book will help um, the cause and what and who you hope reads it, um, what impact you hope it has on the world right now. Okay, I think uh, uh, other than the campaigning, uh, the uh, the book itself, the uh, <clears throat> I hope I hope and it should have uh, impact uh, for the people reading it. Um, um, I, I think the whole premise of the book is that uh, we hope in our defeat that our defeat could be like our as in our, the movement, the whole movement, and and the Arab Spring could be an inspiration to others who have not yet been defeated. I just wanted to add, you know, on the book that um, Ale is in prison because of uh, the power of his ideas and, um, and, and his voice. And um, for those who are unfamiliar with Ale, this is kind of a unique collection uh, that's been translated of a span of over uh, of ten years of his writing, of his of of uh, speeches he's given, of interviews, of tweets uh, that give, really gives you a sense of uh, the agility of his mind. Uh, you know, he spans talking about you know deep politics uh, to technology. He's a technologist and a software developer. He talks about things like Uber from his prison cell and kind of predicts. Um, what's happening right now is we're all isolated in the pandemic and living this online life. Um, he, he talks very deeply and honestly about the defeat uh, of the revolution and what we can learn from it and what we can learn by confronting our defeat and looking forward. And so it, it's his mind that, uh, that it, they have imprisoned. Um, and so his body is behind bars. And this book is kind of for uh, English readers is the best way to kind of understand what that voice is, what those ideas are and how important they are to, uh, to understand. Thank you. Um, thank you Sana, so much for sharing your story with us and um, your brother's story and for um, bringing you have not yet been defeated the book to our attention and um yeah promoting it in the world and uh thank you sharif for your very thoughtful questions um we're yeah we're really honored to have had you on on this podcast thank you for listening to the skylight books podcast series please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on twitter and instagram also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.